It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, Butes, we digress. Have a look who we've got. I know. Look who's in the house. Paralympian in Rio in track and field. And now a Paralympian in Beijing in slalom and giant slalom. Standing up. For, uh, is that the sound of one hand clapping? Give it up. Yes, here we go. Make it happen. Ray Anderson, welcome home. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. So good to finally be back in Australia. Yeah. Now, uh, just tell us about this. So you're in Rio as a discus thrower, javelin thrower, and you're competing with uh, you know, great distinction for Australia. When do you start to, I mean, was it a couple of trips to the snow and you thought, gee, I've got uh, you know, a bit of a knack for this? Tell me more. Um, well, being from the Central Coast, I think a lot of us, Tori Pendergast included, uh, start skiing young. Um, and I would constantly go on family trips, you know, mum, dad, weekends, holidays. And I had a chance meeting with uh, Craig Geiger. So he was uh, Tori's coach. And he tried to get me involved in alpine skiing racing since 2014. And it wasn't until after Rio when they pulled uh, Javelin from the Tokyo schedule, just because of how many events and classifications we have, um, that I finally took him up on the scholarships and the amazing opportunity. Yeah, you were saying to me off the air that uh, through the pandemic you couldn't compete. So it, it really puts your results in a whole new light. Uh, tell us how you went in Beijing. Yeah, I... I went amazing. I I had no idea how I was going to rank going into it. I was competing in NORAM, so American uh, comps, just to try and get the points to make it to Beijing. I did a few Europa Cups, so I kind of had competed against a few of the girls, but really uh, in the grand scheme of things, hadn't competed at a, a big World Cup yet. So we were hoping, you know, maybe top 20 um, and to come away with a top 10 and a, a seventh place in the slalom was, um, you know, beyond all of our expectations, really. Yeah, I saw you started, uh, like, there were some great articles on you about, uh, you know, just how, how uh, outstanding you were. Um, so a seventh place. Uh, tell me more about, like, so you're flying down the mountain in these slalom events, but with your cerebral palsy, it makes it, makes it so much more difficult to hit yeah. some of the flags. Tell us more. Yeah, so my, uh, I guess, uh, way that I was going to ski scum before coming into the games was actually going to be without poles uh, because of my mirror movement disorder. So my left side copies my right. So having that pole in my right hand would make my left side seize. So coming into the games, I was actually skiing without a pole and then we realised that it was a bit hard to get out of the gates and, you know, block the, the poles. So my whole skiing technique actually looks like a guide's technique. So if you watch a guide go down the, the hill when they're um, skiing with a VI athlete, they'll actually ski and dodge the gates and duck underneath them. So that was how I was skiing basically six weeks before the games. Um, mm. So then trying to get used to using a pole again, um, yeah, my technique is definitely a bit different to all the other girls. Ray, how, can I ask you, how did you find the experience between the summer and the Winter Olympics? So different. Yeah. I mean, for one, it's cold. Yes. Um, and, yeah, just being, you know, a summer summer athlete with cerebral palsy, um, 
you know, dealing with all the different weather conditions and uh, I guess we're in a, inside a lot more than we were in the Rio Village. Um, you know, there's still a lot of similarities. Like the athletes are incredible. It's just an amazing atmosphere to be a part of. Um, and the competition is just so incredible to be out there and um, competing together. I, f- I find it amazing that you're competing without poles and then you, like, just close to the games, you change what's been working for you. But uh, in the end, it was the right decision. Yeah, it was definitely the right decision. I mean, the biggest thing is getting out of the gates. Um, you lose so many seconds just in, in that alone. Plus the balance coming down the hill. Like, I'm really relying on, on one leg. So to be able to have that extra point of contact with the snow um, to get myself forward was the best decision we made. Who, who are the people that helped you? Who was part of your team? I have the biggest team and I'm so grateful. Like obviously coming from summer, I've still got a lot of those guys behind me. Um, You know, my whole medical team. Um, My coach, Steve Knott, uh, was a big influence. He, you know, gave me this opportunity once Cree gave me all the scholarships and coached me back in 2019. And then obviously the Snow Australia coaches. So, you know, all the big names, Tom Hodges. (laughs) (laughs) Name everyone. uh, Tell me more about the Australian team because you were part of the opening ceremony and uh, tell us about the camaraderie and some of the great performances. Oh, they're just such an incredible team. Mel Perrine, obviously... Uh, Tori and Mel alongside their coach had a big influence in me coming over and and joining the winter team so to have Mel there and it to be her last games and to be able to experience her last games while I'm going into my first was really special so you know to be guided by her this whole time and then to actually make the team with her was incredible. Where do you do you then convert now back to the summer sport and go, you know what, I'm going to have a crack at the Summer Olympics and then we go again, we change over again two years later? Oh, my goodness. I've been asked this question so much and I only just got home. Like, I think this is my fourth day back in Australia after yep. four months. I don't think I've seen summer since uh, – I don't even remember the last time I saw summer. So, I don't know. I think it's, it's a bit hard because, um, you know, the big reason why I did finally commit to the to – the commit to um, – Commit to the commit. Commit to the trends. <laughs> to going to alpine skiing was because uh, javelin was taken out of Tokyo. So, you know, if javelin goes back in for Paris, maybe. Um, what, but why in the world would they take javelin out of Tokyo? It's uh, yeah, it, we're a bit different to the Olympics. We have so many more events, uh, so many more classifications. So we don't just compete against every athlete with a disability we're categorized into mm. our specific disability so for me i'm competing against uh girls with quite severe left side oh sorry one-sided um cerebral palsy or you know weakness so there's got to be a lot of girls to make up a field to be able to to run it so they pull it out if they don't have enough girls could they could they not just do you know like oh, i understand but you could run the same competition but with three four different categories as such like if there's you know three or four girls in each category you could still run a competition right knowing that you're competing against such and such such and such whatever it may be yeah well they do do that so the reason my discus is still there is because i'm actually competing against girls that have less cp than me yep uh so that's still there it wasn't my main event um and then with alpine skiing we actually all compete together so you know i'm competing against girls leg amps um arm amps and then we get a factored time so Mine being one-sided is about 80, I'm going to mess this up, about 82%. But a girl with uh, an arm amp would be around 100% time. Uh, so, like, the clock would run at 82% Yeah, gotcha. Me, okay. Um, in slalom. Yeah, yeah, okay. 
So, Ray, you know, you're going through this process and you're thinking about, you know, converting over and doing the alpine skiing. When was it where you just went, you know what, I'm going to give it a crack. Here I go. Ray can't keep a straight face watching how animated you are. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, ask, asking the question. <laughs> Looks like you're ready to ski down the hill. I'm ready to go. Ready to go. <laughs> but when do, you get, when do you go, you know what, I'm ready to take this on? And, you know, did you honestly believe that you were a chance of, you know, making the Olympic squad? Yeah, it's it's only been a whirlwind. Um, you know, I gave it a go back in 2017 and then felt like I just didn't have, you know, the financial means to, to pursue it once my scholarship ran out. Mm-hmm. So I did have a year off. And then I think with parasports, it's all about chance meetings, like who you meet along the way, who opens up all these doors. So um, I met my coach back in 2019 um, and he offered me the world scholarship, a place to live, a job. Um, so that's when I really thought that I could commit to this sport. Uh, and then uh, Australia took me on, the the Australian uh, national team, and we went overseas and didn't know how I was going to rank, didn't know how I was going to make, if I was going to make the team. Um, and it wasn't until I went and won some Norams over in America uh, that I got my 50 points and mm. got to the games. Hey, Ray, how do the sports complement each other? Because obviously discus and javelin, you've got a mix of speed and power. Uh, how does that convert to, you know, slalom skiing? Uh, you know, I, I mean, all sport really converts to one another in that, you know, you're an elite athlete. And I think that's why they wanted me to do the transition from uh, summer sports was because I had been an elite athlete since I was 13. So it was that I, I knew how to train. Um, but the training has been so different. Um, a lot more cardio than I've ever done in my life. Mm. Um, and so much more power stuff. So a lot more weights. Um, and you're on snow 24-7. So. I've, I've got to say, look, I don't know how you do it, right? Because I can't ski and I'm pretty abled. <laughs> Although you would think that I may have a disability of some sort when you see me on the slopes because I am hopeless, seriously. And I can only imagine how hard it is. Yeah, and the speed too. Oh, you yeah. know. Like, what do you hurdle down the yeah, mountain? Yeah, that at? is phenomenal. Oh, I keep meaning to wear my garments. I know. Oh. <laughs> I don't know exactly, but I know, you know, at least 70. 70 k's an hour. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) At least. You know my biggest problem when I ski? I just can't stop. I just can't stop the frame. You know the old pizza? Is that what they call it? The pizza where you put your skis together? That was my biggest fear at the end of the race. I was like, don't crash. Don't crash. That's what I'd be doing. Just smile. Or just slide on your side and that's how you stop. In a a perfect world, do you travel like the world to a circuit? like with Mac Graham and those kind of athletes in the mogul skiing? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, we're different sports, so we're in different countries at different times, but there's certainly a World Cup for us as well. I was meant to be on the World Cup circuit uh, this year, but uh, before my Europa Cup race to get my points to get to the World Cup, I had my first ever concussion at training. Um, so that put me out of the Europa Cups, which meant ultimately I couldn't get the points to get to World Cups. So, so that's why. Is there a protocol in relation to concussion and you've got to have a certain amount of time off, etc.? Yes. I didn't even realise I had a concussion at the time. Um, I just kept skiing and then my physio worked it out. So, um, yes, I had to have a week off after that, which meant I wasn't allowed to, to race that week. So what happened? What was the incident? You weren't knocked out or you weren't? No, no. Like so, or anything like that? Um, I was just training GS and... There was heaps of ruts. I've skied out of the rut, just went to pull up, um, caught some powder. My skis went up, my head went down. Ouch, that hurt. Got back up, kept skiing. It was a bit dizzy, but that was about it. <laughs> didn't, I never had one before, so I didn't know what yeah, it felt like. Play on. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, play on. Play on, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, the uh, next Winter Games uh, being held in Italy, so mm-hmm. that's obviously uh, incredibly exciting. 
Uh, after finishing seventh, do you feel like you can step up onto the podium as a, as a young athlete? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been a whirlwind. Like, I had no idea that I could I could place top ten, let alone seventh. Mm. Um, you know, being the seventh dual summer and winter athlete from Australia. Um, yeah, I mean, I coming home, I was like, I'm going to reevaluate, see if I, I have the financial means and, and whether or not I can do another four winters in a row. Um, but I'm already missing it. I saw a few American athletes straight back on the slopes um, mm. when they got home and I was like, oh, I wouldn't be there. <laughs> So I think I might have to. How does it make you feel? You know, and you said it just then, only the seventh Australian athlete to be both, you know, winter and summer Olympian or Paralympian. It's a massive achievement and something you should be extremely proud of. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's awesome. That's yeah. a standing O, Steve. <laughs> That's a standing O, yeah. Yes. There it is. It is. I mean, you should be really proud of yourself. I know it's you've been humble here at the moment, but... You know what, to put that in perspective, you know, and you think about all the Winter Olympians that have ever competed, yeah. you're the seventh one. Like, it's that's no mean feat. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it's taken a while to, to definitely sink in. Mm. And I'm only the second female behind Jess Gallagher, too. So that's that's pretty insane as well. Yeah. And, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, uh, Danica Clark Foundation will hand out its scholarships for 2022. DCF will reach 100 scholarships. Now, you're part of, I guess, a golden generation of Danica yeah. Clark Foundation. There, were, there was a photo that was posted the other day that had numerous Paralympians, a Commonwealth Games medalist, a couple of Olympians, a... Olympic silver medalist. Yeah. So you're, you're part of that group that came through, and uh, we're hoping you might be a special guest on the night. But, uh, you know, so there was a foundation that backed you locally, and you must be eternally grateful for their support. Oh, the Danica Clark Foundation, I think, for a lot of us athletes, means so much. And it's so great to come home to them and, you know, be a part of this t- this community. To be reaching 100? I didn't realise yeah. that was coming around so quick. That's amazing. Yeah, and over $300,000 in scholarships. Uh, another round of applause for Ray Anderson. Yeah, well done, Ray. Fabulous. <laughs> Winter and also summer Paralympics.